Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Reverend Todd Laddick, and I'm bringing to you today a message entitled, Believing is Seeing, based off of John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. That's John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. So, let us dive into the Word today. That evening... That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the other disciples when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus said, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Amen. As human beings, we pretend to only believe what we see. However, in reality, when you think about it, we make tons of decisions and take countless actions without truly knowing or seeing what the consequences will be. The mature Christian understands that believing is seeing. When the pandemic hit us, it was hard to believe what we what you know it's hard to believe we would survive as a church that we would survive the pandemic you know churches struggle in normal times and now you're now you're saying you can't meet in person and uh you have, people have no way of really getting money to you and uh, i mean how are you going to survive that sometimes it's still hard to believe even though we're over a year in it now there was so much at stake How would we be able to worship without the proper technology? Buying that technology would deplete our finances even more. How would we be able to survive the loss of people people giving? We didn't even have an online giving site set up. There was so much uncertainty that it was easy to think like Thomas did. I'll believe it when I see it. Yet that is not how I or any one of our other leaders in my church looked at it, surprisingly. I mean, sure, we had some doubts and concerns, absolutely, 
our initial thoughts maybe went there. But we chose to believe that God would carry us through if we remained faithful to the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ. We did just that. We purchased equipment, set up two platforms for online giving, expanded our presence on social media, learned the best practices for using YouTube, and looked continuously for fellowship and missional opportunities. In terms of the latter, we created our Zoom fellowship hours on Sundays following worship. We held a virtual open mic night on Zoom. We've held and grown our small groups via Zoom. We've made cards for healthcare workers in the hospitals and at at, uh, uh, Bristol Glen. We've donated K95 masks to the hospital. Some uh, some, uh, members donated homemade masks. We've created virtual Christian education programs for a program for kids called Kids Rock. I want you to listen now to this this video. It's a video clip that came out of my conference, the Greater New Jersey uh, Conference uh, the Uni- of the United Methodist Church. And uh, I want you to listen to it. This is a reminder of the great ministry being done all around Greater New Jersey. And keep an ear out for the third act. You might recognize who they're talking about. Hello, I'm Eric Drew, and welcome to Making Miracles Everywhere, the GNJ video series spotlighting missional moments happening throughout Greater New Jersey during the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's get started. On today's episode, we focus on youth in Rockland County, New York, where confirmands are leading a prayer warrior virtual walk. Another group called Children's Church recently made a donation to a local police department. They've been meeting via Zoom every week. In Sussex County, New Jersey, youth are participating in Kids Rock, an online Sunday school experience. What are you guys doing? What are you doing? So when COVID-19 hit Rockland County as hard as it did, one of the things that our outreach team recognized was how much more pressure all of our food pantries in the area were experiencing. So we made the decision that we would um, combine both action of dropping things off, so acts of service with also acts of mercy in praying. The pandemic, well, it affects people in very different ways from each other. So just giving them like a meal for just a couple of days will help them so much in the long run. Even though during these hard times, people are still very big, thankful for the little things like the little goodie bag. Even though you may not be able to see the per- people you're helping, you still know you help them. Children's ministry uh, is the core ministry of Dills Gunnerville UMC. We believe that kids are the future of our church. And how is everybody's week going? Good. Okay. Good. Anything fun you want to share? In social distancing, we've set up a weekly Zoom meeting uh, with all of our children. We do crafts, we sing songs, we read Bible stories. We think it's important to remind um, not only the kids, but also the parents that you can worship God anywhere and you don't have to be in our church building. 
before Jesus was even born. There was a woman named Naomi. She was moving back to Bethlehem, where she had grown up. Newton UMC Kids Rock really started back with our Sunday school class, which met in person up until this past March. It has encouraged the kids to be a part of the life of the church, not just in worship, but also mission. When I challenged our church to, to step up and uh, create masks and cards for healthcare workers, our Sunday school kids actually got that message as well. They stepped up to create cards and masks as well and wanted to be a part of it. And that was just a really exciting uh, thing to see. And all God's people said, amen. That's our time today. From all of us here at Making Miracles Everywhere, I'm Eric Drew. Thanks for watching. We'd love to hear from you and we'll see you next time. Awesome, right? It's just awesome. I mean, we clearly caught the eye of our conference because we chose to believe we could make a difference. We didn't see it. We believed it. And then we saw it. We all operate on our five basic senses. And we especially rely on our sight. Not for those of us who have sight. I mean, I, I, when you lose your sight or if you're blind, I know that your other sense be, sense, senses become heightened because they have to. But those of us who are not blind, those of us who can see, rely on our sight so very much. None of us like not being able to see. And we tend to not move around or move very cautiously if we're moving when we are in the dark. Being in the dark, being forced to operate on faith, is not comfortable. In fact, it is downright scary, and many of us resort to paralysis by fear. Yet in so many cases, without thinking about it, we choose to operate on faith without realizing we're doing so in the dark. We drive down the road, for instance, without knowing whether we'll get to our destination alive. Think about this. Abraham Lincoln believed he could be president before he ever saw it become true. Louis Pasteur believed he could find a means of preventing rabies before he ever produced a vaccine. Thomas Edison believed that he could harness electricity to produce light in a glass bulb long before he actually did it. Our government believed it could come up with a virus in record time to fight this pandemic, and now we are seeing those results. Well, honestly, our scripture actually has a lot to say to us today far more than we have time to cover in one sermon. There is the whole Pentecost theme that appears here in John's Gospel. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, in chapter 20, verse 22. This is very different from Luke's version that appears in Acts with tongues of fire and mighty winds. It is a quieter, gentler 
Pentecost, perhaps. But we'll leave that one alone for now. Then there is that confusing and misinterpreted verse, If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Sure. (laughs) No problem. It's not like that hasn't caused centuries of abuse of power from the hierarchy of the church or caused self-righteous Christians to think that it's their job to be judgmental and to point out specks while conveniently overlooking logs. But hey, he said we have the power to determine what sins are the bad ones and which ones don't really matter all that much, right? Well, no. That would also be misinterpretation as well. But we'll move on from that for now. And then there are those curious verses at the end that seem to open the door to all kinds of stuff. For instance, maybe it is possible that Jesus kind of, sort of wants us to think for ourselves sometimes. Hmm? That we've got to take his life and teaching and apply it to stuff he never took the time to tell us about. Or that John and the others didn't take the time to write down about what Jesus said about LGBTQIA plus issues or whether he would urge us to go green. You think? Maybe? Well, that stuff is also for another day. Right now, what occupies our thinking are those doors in the passage we read today. On Easter evening... They were locked. John tells us they were locked out of fear. And they were locked up tight. The disciples were locked in behind doors, probably stuff piled in front of the doors so it wouldn't so they wouldn't budge. The windows were shuttered and nobody moved much in case someone below heard footsteps. They were huddled, hunkered down behind the doors. And who was there? Well, Thomas wasn't. We learned that later. So how about how many disciples were there then? Ten? Maybe ten? Maybe more? You know, in the Gospel of John, the word disciple is, is really kind of tricky. It's not just the twelve usually. John rarely just talks about the twelve. He's interested in a bigger crowd. The twelve, now ten, plus the women who were there. And maybe others. And if the women were there, did they try again? Look, I can imagine Mary Magdalene saying, It was him! He's alive! With the rest replying, Yeah, sure, Mary. Maybe your demons have come back. Just saying. And... Didn't you think it it was the gardener? You have no idea who it was, do you? It was early. You were all up all night. None of us slept. You must have been dreaming. I can hear Mary protesting. No, it was him. He said my name. When he said my name, I knew it was him. I can imagine Mary crossing her arms and turning to Peter and John, who were trying really hard to not make eye contact. Come on, boys. You were there. You came running in like your shorts were on fire and dashed into the tomb. What did you see? Crickets. I can hear how the silence hung in the air behind the locked doors. Nothing. 
They saw nothing. Not what they expected to see. Not what they hoped to see. They saw nothing. The silence reminded them that they were sitting, comforted by nothing, afraid of nothing, hoping locked doors would save them. Of course, the doors didn't save them. Jesus came. That's what John says. The doors were locked, and Jesus came. Peace be with you, Jesus had to say it twice, because the first time they didn't hear it for fear of, well, (laughs) for fear of him. They thought he was a ghost again, just like when they saw him walking on water. I can hear Jesus sigh, and if this were the Gospel of, of Mark, he might have face-palmed with a groan. And he showed them his hand, hands and his side. It was then, John tells us, then they rejoiced. How long did he stand out there, banging on the doors, hoping someone would let him in? Jesus, who had earlier that morning burst through a stone door, now appeared through a locked door and said, Peace be with you. We learn that sometime afterward, Thomas shows up. How much later? John doesn't say. But the disciples tell him, We saw the Lord. And of course, we all know that Thomas believed, right? Wrong. Yeah, sure, Thomas said. Nice nice try, guys. I wasn't born yesterday. I'm not stupid. Ah, Thomas, why did you doubt? Why did Thomas doubt? Because the doors were still locked? Because dead people don't just get up and walk out of their tomb? Because he forgot that Jesus was more than just your average person? We saw the Lord. He showed us his wounds by which we were healed. He offered us peace. He gave us power. He sent us out to forgive. Huh. Honestly, I'm thinking to myself, really? Really? Yeah? Then why are those doors still locked? And a week later, the doors are still locked. The truth is that none of them believed. They saw, but they didn't believe. Not enough to open a door anyway. Not enough to venture out. You see, friends, seeing isn't always believing. Or maybe there is seeing, and there is seeing. Seeing with our eyes doesn't always lead to seeing with our faith. Believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. A week later, the doors were shut. But Jesus came anyway, with a sigh undoubtedly, but he came. He came to show them what they needed to see, just like he shows all of us what we need to see. Remember? That's the Easter proclamation. 
He is going before you, going back home, going to a familiar territory, going where you belong, where you live, where you work. And there you will see him. That's the promise. That's what they were offered, what we are offered. We will see him. But wait, what about that blessed are those who believe without seeing me? What about that? Well, I think he threw that in because he heard the locks turning on our own doors. And he wanted to pry them open. Maybe coming through locked doors was strenuous. Maybe it was painful. Or maybe he wanted to spare us the false security of locked doors and just be open enough to see him in our midst, showing us his wounds, the brokenness of this world, the suffering of Christ on the backs and sides and hands of our brothers and sisters. Maybe. But also, to see the grace and the forgiveness that is poured out even on us just when we're sure we won't get it. Just when we are afraid we can't have it, and we turn to push the doors closed against a world too cruel to live in, too empty of him, or so we think. But he's there. Jesus doesn't like your locked doors. We try to shut him out like we shut out a cat on the wrong side of the door. We act like we don't see him. But Jesus is persistent. He keeps banging. He keeps coming through. And in our darkness, he appears with a shaft of light that's almost blinding. And he says, peace be with you. Sisters and brothers, how have we locked the door on Jesus? In what ways have we allowed our fear and our doubt to keep us from openly welcoming him in? In what ways do we, the church, lock our doors on Jesus? Do we fail to see him in those who are different than us? Do we fail to see him because we fear to get too involved? Do we fail to see him because we're tired or disinterested or simply can't be bothered? Let us remember the persistence of Jesus. Let us remember that Jesus is real. He is really present, and he is really standing at the door knocking. He will come in, whether we keep the door locked or not. But who will he find inside? Let us welcome our Lord with open arms. Believe, and we all will see the miracles Jesus will work through our church into the community. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you and praise you for this uh, message. We thank you for um, challenging us with it, but also inspiring us that, you know, no matter what doors we lock and try to keep you uh, out, uh, that you're always present with us, that, that you're persistent, that you love us that much, that you will break through our barriers to reach us inside. And so, Lord, we thank you and we invite you to keep breaking those barriers down until we have none until we are an open book, ready to be read by the world. And that book, of course, will proclaim the gospel, that you love the world so much, that you stretched out your arms and died, that you rested for three days in the tomb, and on the, th on the th 
third day you rose again from the dead and that you have saved and redeemed the world through your blood. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for all that you have done. Amen. Friends, thank you for tuning in. Um, and uh, if you want to uh, check out the video you listened to earlier on in this service, I'll have a link to that in the episode notes. Uh, but in the meantime, in the meantime, friends, uh, you know, check out the episode notes. Uh, if this is your main, uh, you know, uh, spiritual nourishment for the week and you feel so inclined, and I hope you do, uh, please uh, feel free to give at uh, either of the two links there, Tidely or PayPal. Your support is greatly appreciated and greatly needed, and we thank you for your generosity. Also, if this is uh, supplemental for you and you attend a different faith community, different church, then by all means support that church. They, they need it as well. But in all things, friends, remember you are richly blessed so that you may be a blessing to others. Go in peace. Mm-hmm.